Hey, Merry Christmas. We are a week away from Christmas Eve, uh, and I am excited. You guys excited? I love Christmas, right? We got to love Christmas, and I don't love Christmas because of presents and that. Uh, it's just everybody acts like they ought to act during Christmas, right? That's only, well, if you're not at the mall and you're not at Walmart, Right? If you're just hanging out with people, everybody's joyous and nice to one another and love one another, and that's the way we're always supposed to be, so that's why I love Christmas time. Until somebody takes my parking spot. Until somebody takes my parking spot. Right. That's right. I wasn't saying you. Oh. I'll let you deal with it. See? You always get me in trouble. I love Christmas. And, uh, you know, next week we are going to, I think we're going to read the Christmas story and we're going to have some, a little bit of info around that. Um, but today, you know, the Christmas story, what's the best Christmas story? It's in Luke, right? It's in Luke. But, but listen, there's, there's some good stuff in Matthew too, all right? And that's where we're going to be at today. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. And listen, you know, Matthew, if we look, you know, we always think we have the same stories throughout Matthew, throughout Mark, throughout Luke and throughout John, and we think, why do we need the same stories in some of all this? Why do we need four different Gospels of Jesus? We need to understand this, and if any of you guys are are note takers or like to write in your Bible to help you, I I always love to, before I begin to read Matthew, anything in Matthew, I always know that Matthew did this. Matthew wanted to, to shine the light on Jesus as sovereign, as king. That was what Matthew was doing. That's why even if you look at the very first of Matthew 1, and he's given the genealogy, who's the first person he kind of mentions? He mentions David because he was the king. And it says, listen, Jesus came from David because he's a king, and he's from the lineage of a king. And the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, was going to come from David. So that's where Matthew starts. He believes that that Jesus, Jesus is king. That's Matthew's role. Now, Mark... We see that Mark just starts at Jesus' ministry because Mark sees Jesus as a servant. You see, and Mark says, I don't need to look back at his lineage. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about his servanthood. So Mark just begins right at his ministry. Well, Luke, Luke sees Jesus as the son of God or son of man. And that's why even his lineage at the first of Luke is traced all the way back to Adam. Because Luke is really wanting to show that God in the flesh became totally human. That he lived on this earth. That was Luke's job. And John, John's job was that he was the son of God. That he was God himself. That's why John starts his off not with lineage. He just says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. So we see that each one of them in their, in their Gospels of Jesus, they had a specific purpose. And today, we have been talking this whole month about Jesus as king, so why would we not go to Matthew? When Matthew's whole Gospel was to show that Jesus was king, and everything about Matthew's Gospel is, is showing us that Jesus was king, king of everything, king of all. King of kings, Lord of lords, right? So in Matthew chapter 2, 
begins with this. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now, this is the story of the wise men, the magi. Right? Magi, the, we can't really translate what magi was, so we translate it to wise men. Uh, and magi is plural for, for magus, a uh, Greek word. And it kind of goes back to it could be translated sorcerers, could astrologers, uh, people that know that kind of stuff. And we're going to get into that here in a minute. But before we do, I want us to, I want us to see something really quick today is that I just read something, and we probably glossed right over something that, that we never even think about. And it's Christmas cards have more influence on our theology these days than the Bible does. You guys believe that? Let me show you a picture of some Christmas cards. We could roll that first one. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Does that look just like a Hallmark Christmas card? It does, right? How about the next one? Oh, we love that. That's, that is a great scene right there. And the third one? Right? Those could all be beautiful Christmas cards, right? Now, let's go to the middle one, just because it's a, I really like it, too. And we've got everything there, right? We've got our wise men. We've got our shepherds. At Jesus, the manger. Now in this, is this picture biblically accurate? No. It's not. How come? Because the wise men are there, and Jesus is a baby, right? Man. This is pretty good. I was not expecting that. We're done. We're out of here. You guys got it. Let's just go out and live what the Bible says now, right? See, typically we would think, yeah, it's a perfect picture. Jesus was born that night. Mary jumped right up. She looked just really good right after the birth, right? And the wise men showed up right then that night. 
And they were kings? Right? We would think that. But that's not the way it all went down. It's not the way it went down. See, Jesus was born, and then months later, the wise men came. Now, it always... I never really thought about it till this week, and God just kind of gave me these verses to, to, to dig into. Have you guys ever thought about why did wise men come from the east? Why did they even know that that star was the Savior's when they were pagans, when they were, when they were people from a total different empire? Why would they think that there was even a Savior? Why would they think that there was even a king coming? You guys ever thought about that? Of why they would even come. And to dig into that, here's what we got to know first. We got to know who these guys were. How many of you guys have ever heard the wise man called the Magi? Have we heard that before? All right, Magi, M A G I. You guys ever, how would you guys spell magician? M A G I, right? C I A N. Lord, I hope that was right. Right? That's where we get magician. It's from the same root word. You see, these guys were, the Magi was, was a lot like the Levites. They were a certain tribe from the Medes people. And, and they, were, they were kind of set aside as their own priesthood. They were kind of the priests of a pagan religion. You see, back in that time of, of this, there was, there was like four major empires, right? There was, there was the Babylonian Empire. We've heard of that. There was the, the Medo-Persian Empire, sometimes called the Parthian Empire that was going on. There was the Greek Empire. We know about the Greeks being in charge for a while. And then there was the Roman Empire of where we were at in Jesus' day, that the Romans were in charge. Now, these magi... These magi was in all of these empires, believe it or not. They were a part in all of them, and especially in the Middle Persian Empire. And we know this. Some even believe, some scholars say that, that, the, that the magi go all the way back to Abraham's time in Genesis 12 of, of the Chaldees because even in Daniel, uh, it is mentioned that when they call for the magi, for the sorcerers, for the Chaldeans, he says it in that order like that. Almost as if saying they were one in the same. So some believe they may even go back that far, but we do know that they were part of the Babylonian the, the, and later the, the Medo-Persian Empire. Because if we look back in Daniel, if we look back in Daniel, we see it in, in say, chapter 1 of Daniel, chapter 2, talking about the Magi. Right? How many of you guys remember Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar? Right? All right, Nebuchadnezzar, he had some dreams, right? And, and who interpreted the dreams for him? Daniel did, right? Well, he called some other men before Daniel got there. And who were those men? The Magi. Because they were astrologers. For whatever reason, they had this knowledge of astronomy and, and the, of, of mathematics and science and sorcery. There was even, we have to say that these guys were even part of the occult. Right? Because they had some things going on that, that wasn't like other people. 
So this Magi, but they were in part of every empire. And it says that in Daniel 5, it says, guess who was put in charge of the Magi? Daniel. Because when no of the others could, could interpret the king's nightmares, who could? Daniel could. Because Daniel was of what? Of the true one God. So he was put in charge of all these other magi. And even in some of our Bible translations, they just translate it straight to magicians. Right? But they were the magi. Now, here's why this is important. Because these men were in every empire and they were at, they were at the level of being very influential. And every time we see them, even, even Daniel, they're, they're influential. But I want us to think about this. Daniel in his time was in charge of all the magi. And many times we see in prophecy, Daniel prophesied about what? Coming Messiah. So we know back in those days that Daniel's in charge of all these magi. And listen, these magi, it's funny. The magi kind of had their, like I said, they were their own priesthood. It almost runs right parallel with the Jewish religion. Because believe this, the enemy will always make a religion, a false one that looks just like the true religion. You see, these guys, they believed in one true God. They believed in a God. They were monotheistic. So they believed in one God. They sacrificed things. They had altars. But it wasn't the God that we believe in. But it did it did allow them that when Daniel was put in charge of them and Daniel began speaking of that there was going to be a Messiah one day, that there was going to be a king that would be the king of the entire world, these guys took notice of that. And even during the Babylonian captivity, when all of a sudden that was over with, many of the Jews did not return to Israel, did not return to Jerusalem. They stayed there. And they intermingled and they married. So even these Jewish people for all these, these this six, seven hundred years, like I think Daniel was written in, in 700 to 750 BC, he was talking to these people from another empire about a coming Messiah. So these magi, they knew this. They knew that there was a coming Messiah. They knew that there was a coming king. You see, and they were all hip on this astrology and stuff, and they knew these crazy things were happening, and all of a sudden they seen a star that was never there before. And they came because they knew they were like, wait a second, hold up. Remember what remember what in the days of old, hundreds of years ago, when we were taught that there was going to be a coming Messiah to this world? We've just seen his star. We've got to go. Pagans from another empire. They came. They came. They weren't even Jewish people. But they knew that there was a coming king. Now what's cool about this is. In the Persian empire. There was never a king that ever made it to the throne. That was not approved by the magi. There was never a king put on the throne that wasn't orchestrated by the Magi. They actually called the Magi king makers. Because nobody became a king that they didn't put in place. 
So isn't it amazing that the king of king and the lord of the lords, guess who comes? The king makers. Right? Now it says when they came, we, we see in these pictures, we see three, right? We don't know that there was three. It just says that there was wise men. Some scholars believe there was as many as 12. But we can't even guess at that because it just does not say. All we know is there was three gifts. So if there's three gifts, we all of a sudden get in our head that there was three wise men. But it could have been up to 12. And they did not come alone. See, they came with a Persian army. They were coming to crown a king. There was probably a thousand military troops that came with them. That doesn't fit so well on a Christmas card, though. Right? So let's just whittle it down to three. And let's put them on some camels. Even though they probably was riding some very nice Arabian horses. Right? But let's put them on some camels. It's got to be in the desert. So these men came. And it says, here's what I love. It says, they came from the east and they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Now, for we have seen a star in the east and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king, say that with me, Herod the king. Who was Herod and what was he king of? He was king of the Jews. So now all of a sudden, and let's get this in perspective, all right? Here's little Jerusalem. Here is this meadow Persian empire that these magi are coming from that, that was once Babylon. And, and they're coming over, right? They're on this side of them. And on this side of them is the Roman Empire, which is oppressing this little bitty section. So now you've got little bitty Jerusalem in between these two big empires. And here's little Herod the king of the Jews that was put there by the Roman Empire because he fought, he, he clawed his way to the top, he murdered for that spot. He was a bad man to get where he was at. And now all of a sudden you have this other big empire rolling in and these three guys, or, see I just did it. These three guys, we don't know his three, these, these magi come and they're saying, hey, we're here because the king of the Jews has just been born. Now, could you imagine if you was the king? They roll up into your court and they say, Hey, Herod, we're here to crown the king of the Jews. And he's probably going, We got a king, and it's me. What are you even doing here? Right? What did it say Herod did, though? You see, it said when they came said, when Herod the king heard this, he was what? He was troubled. He was troubled to hear that the king was here. Because even though Herod was a bad man, he was still a Jewish man that knew that there was a coming king, that there was a coming Messiah. And now all of a sudden, it took somebody from another empire rolling into his town saying, he is here. He has been born. We have seen his star. He's arrived. Now, to a certain extent, I think Herod was politically scared. Right? Because I think that even in this Persians, I think even these magi was coming a little bit for a political purpose. 
Although God turned it into a spiritual purpose. But he was a little worried. He was worried that all of a sudden this king that they had talked about for hundreds of years had arrived. And none other than the king makers had arrived saying he was here and they were there to worship him. So see, all of a sudden he was troubled because, uh uh-oh, here's these kingmakers that there is no king been put in place that these guys didn't do it. And they're here and they're telling me there's a king here. And they're telling me it's over my throne. So he's worried. Now, isn't it? Even he... Now he pulls together the scribes and the priests, the people together, and he choirs them, and he says, where is this Christ to be born? Now, isn't it pitiful that the king of the Jews, the, the one that should know most of all, hey, where's this Messiah going to be born at? But when he pulls the scribes together, the, the ones that know the Bible better than anybody, and the Bible then was, was the Old Testament, the law, right? They didn't have the King James Version back there, contrary to what some believe. There was not the King James Version. But it says that he pulls them together and he says, hey, where, where is this king supposed to be born? And they quote Micah 5, 2. And they say, in Bethlehem. He's coming from Bethlehem. And I think Matthew, he, he adds a little bit to it. Uh, because in Micah 5, 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler. That's where, that's where Micah 5, 2 stops. But Matthew inserts this. He says, Who will shepherd my people Israel? Not a tyrant king, not an oppressive king like Herod, but a shepherd for the people, one to care, one to love, one to take care of the flock. Matthew's almost saying, hey, how would you like to trade that Herod out for a real shepherd? Because he's coming. He's here. It says that Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men. See, he had the public meeting with all of his scribes. But he had the secret meeting with the wise men. He probably said, hey, go, go call them wise men. I need to speak with them. And, and he does it in a very sneaky way. You see, Herod, he was troubled by the king coming. He was not joyous that the king was coming. He was troubled. So he calls these wise men in and he says, Hey, how long ago was it you guys seen this star? So they tell him. So he kind of gets this in his head, right? So he, that he knows. Now, he says, Hey, go to Bethlehem because that's where my people tell me that he's been born. Go to Bethlehem, and when you find him, come back and bring me word because I would love to worship him too. You guys believe that? That the king of the Jews would say, hey, this new king you're talking about that's going to kick me off my throne, that's going to take all my money, that's going to take all my power, that's going to take everything from me, all my livelihood. Would you, would you tell me where he's at because I'd love to go worship him? not what he did listen he wanted to kill him because even on in chapter two it says that he killed every child under the age of two in bethlehem and all its surrounding districts because listen it says that that the wise men they left from herod they departed and you see when they got to jerusalem the star was gone 
And let us know that the star was not a star, but it was the glory of God that was shining. And when they left the king, guess what? The glory of God come back again in Bethlehem when they went off to travel. It says, when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They were not troubled. They were not worried. To be quite honest, these pagans from another empire, from thousands of miles away, came and had exceedingly great joy when they found where this king was at. Exceedingly great joy. That's a stark difference from Herod, isn't it? And where Herod killed every baby, what does it say that the wise men did? These magi, and when they had come into the house, you see, you get that? Did you guys catch that earlier, that they were in a house and not in a manger? See, we're months later. Joseph and Mary had done found them a house to rent because they wasn't going to buy one because they knew they were leaving soon. So they're just renting. Probably had a six-month lease or something, right? So they're in a house, and this is where the wise men have found them. And this child is months old. It says, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped who? Worshipped who? Him. They did not worship the family. They did not worship Mary. They worshipped him. This little child that they knew was king. This little child that they had been taught for hundreds of years, even though it had nothing to do with their religion, they were taught by Daniel that this coming king would be the ruler of all the world, would be the Messiah of all the world, would save the entire world. And they were at his house this evening. They were not scared of him. They were not fearful of him. And he did not trouble them. They were filled with exceedingly great joy. And it says, they fell down and worshipped him. See, they were important men. They were important men that set kings on thrones. They were more important than you and I. Even they fell down to their knees to worship the king, this little child. It says they had opened their treasures. They presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know who possessed gold in those days? Kings. What presents did you take to a king? Gold. Let me tell you. They didn't have gold on their fingers and gold on their ears and gold in everything. Gold on their teeth. Gold was only for kings in those days. They brought gold because they were coming to see a king. Frankincense. Frankincense was in the temple, right? And it was incense. The aroma that would go up to God and that was for God. The frankincense in the temple was for God. The gift was for God. 
myrrh being a fragrance, it was almost the it was almost the deodorant of the day. Myrrh. It says that when Jesus' body, when they went, they took myrrh and, and other spices. Because myrrh was for dead people. Myrrh was for humans. So we see that even the Magi knew they were in the presence of a king, they were in the presence of God, and they were in the presence of a human. All in one. God in the flesh, king of kings. Now, we say, well, what does this magi and all this have to do with us today? Well, let me tell you, we're either the magi or we're Herod. We're in one of two camps. You see, we may be like Herod. And we're sitting back and we go, I know there's a Messiah. I know there's a Jesus. I know who he is. But I really don't want him. Because if I accept Jesus for who he is, if I accept that Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and that, that every name uh, under heaven will bow and every knee will bow to him, if, if I believe that he is he, then guess what? Then I have to get off my throne. Thinking to yourself, well, I don't have a throne. Oh, yes, you do. You see, because I did. I remember that my life was mine. That my career was mine. I worked hard to get where I was at. I, my check was my check. That money I earned, that was all mine. Those kids, I, I could take care of my kids the way I wanted to because they were mine. My house, I could do what, hey, that truck I had, that, that car, that everything I had, that was mine. That was my empire. I had built it. It was mine. I remember thinking, I remember thinking right before I surrendered to the Lord, I remember thinking, what, what am I afraid of giving up? I never knew what I was afraid of giving up because I always thought, I'm not that bad a guy. You know, I don't go out. I'm not a drinker. I'm not, a, I'm not this. I'm not, I'm, I don't rob banks. I don't kill nobody. I'm, I'm a pretty good dude. What I didn't realize was I was still sitting on my own throne of my own empire and nobody was going to tell me what to do with it. Nobody was going to tell me how to live. See, because when Jesus becomes your Lord and Savior, when all of a sudden he becomes the King of King and Lord of Lords, then he owns everything you got. There ain't nothing you've got that he didn't give you, and there ain't nothing that he can't take away from you, and there ain't nothing that he shouldn't be able to tell you what to do with it. Now, there's our trouble. Because we love a little bit of Jesus... But we don't love a lot of Jesus because, God, I'm good with you, with you saving me. And, God, I'm good with you, with you giving me an eternity in heaven. But don't tell me what to do with my paycheck. Don't tell me what to do with my time. Don't tell me I have to go to church every Sunday. Don't tell me I have to be part of a body that you created. Don't tell me that I have to be a part of a mission that you gave your life for and then put into my hands. Don't tell me that. I just need the saving part. See, then we're Herod. But maybe we ought to be like the pagan priests that's part of the occult. Maybe we ought to be like them, and when we see a king, we recognize it, and we fall on our knees, on our faces, to a king, to a Lord of Lords, 
and we let him know that you've got it all. We're here to do your bidding. Maybe we ought to be like those guys instead of being like the good church people back then. Because in John it said that he came unto his own and what happened? They didn't even receive him. He was born in Bethlehem right underneath their nose. The king had heard that the king was there and they could care less. They could care less. Because they were scared that if the king was here, then the king would be king. Sometimes when we come to church and we hear that message that Jesus is Lord of Lords, we go, yes, he's Lord of Lords. But only at this 30 minutes. As soon as the clock strikes 12 and I walk out the back door, now I'm back in charge. He's only in charge at church. believe that God would have sent his son to die on a cross so that he could have 30 minutes or 45 minutes of your time on Sunday would that have been worth it you think these magi after they met the king do you think they went back home and went wow that was a pretty cool experience we met the king we gave him our gifts now let's get back to business I don't think they did because all of a sudden, guess what? Now I think that the Holy Spirit even was speaking to them. It said divinely, they found out, they felt inside of them, wait a second, we're not going back to Herod. Who do you think told them that? Now all of a sudden, God was beginning to even direct these pagans' life because they surrendered to the king. They recognized the king. They knew who he was. May we be the same this Christmas season. May we realize that that little boy in the manger was more than a little boy in the manger. That he was so much so that God, even 700 years before he was born, was teaching some pagan people from hundreds and hundreds of miles away off, teaching them that there would be a king coming and that they would go and that they would pronounce him as king. See, we get, we're on the backside of all that. We get to see all that. They were going by seeing a star. We get to go by hearing the whole story. How much more so should we fall upon our faces? Because we've got the whole story. Or are we going to be like Herod? And we, may we say, we want our own life. I want the life I created. I want my throne that I built. What do you want today? What do you want today? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Take stock today. Take stock in your life. Take a look at it. Do you look more like the Magi that fell and worshiped Jesus? Or do you look more like Herod that wants to destroy Jesus? To keep him from taking over your throne. 
God, we thank you for a time of worship today. God, we're, we're thankful for Christmas time. God, it's the story of your son that you sent for us for one purpose, to do away with our sin, to come and to live a life that we couldn't live and then to trade his life for ours. God, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for showing that, that, that your king, your son, was not just for the Jewish people, but it was for us pagans. It was far away from him. God, another glimpse that you would save us Gentiles, that you would save us that was not part of the Jewish religion, that you would still call a whole world to you. Thank you for showing us that in this little story of these men coming God, this Christmas season, may we learn to live like them. May we learn to live like people that recognize our King. May we learn how to live in the kingdom. God, we pray this in Jesus' name.